Hey friends, this episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication software we've developed to help you grow your practice, add a gym, add other services, and make sure that your patients and clients are clear on what you do and the amazing service you provide. You can learn more at clinicgymconnect.com, but let me tell you this. As we move forward, as you want to grow, growth must include communication, and communication must be done effectively. If you're emailing your clients, you're not doing it effectively. Heck, only one out of every 10 emails is even open, let alone read. If you want to get a hold of your clients, the best way to do that is the way that they communicate in every other instance, and that is text messaging. So check out our text messaging solutions. You can do two-way text with your office. You can use text messaging to capture new leads at events or in videos. And you can use text messaging to follow up, send appointment reminders, and even ask people for reviews. It works so much better. It's so much more effective and people love it. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Dr. Lisa Lewis. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And I know that you are joining us all the way from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, and you're out there in the uh, fighting the good fight. You teach at a university and you also do some private consulting at drlewisconsulting.com. Is that right? Correct. Fantastic. Well, can you give our our listeners a little snapshot of what you do and kind of how it maybe plays into the world of rehab, physical therapy, chiro, exercise, all that? Yes, sure. So I'm a licensed psychologist. I've been practicing psychotherapy of one form or another since 2003. My roots uh, at the beginning of my career, I worked kind of traditional mental health, so psychiatric uh, patients, and I worked in substance abuse for quite a long time. And then I earned a doctoral degree in counseling and sports psychology, which is really kind of working more on the other end of the spectrum of mental health with people who weren't necessarily mentally ill, but who wanted to improve either by striving in something athletic or something professional or even just personal growth. Um, so kind of 10 years in, I sort of shifted focus to working with populations who were more focused on enhancing an already pretty good situation as opposed to trying to correct a mental illness. So it's, it's been a nice kind of, I got the whole spectrum of working with all kinds of people. And so now I, you know, I teach here at Northeastern University. And then in my practice, I, I have a small percentage of people who are dealing with a mental illness like anxiety or depression and trying to work on that. But I have a lot of other clients who are either athletes or executives or of helping professionals. So people like personal trainers, strength coaches, chiropractors, physical therapists. Um, and with the performers, the athletes and the executives, we're talking about performance enhancement. Um, we're talking about improving aspects of their life or their work. And then with all the helping professionals, we're talking about the work of helping other people and behavior change and motivation and how helping professionals can take care of themselves and also make change with their clients. 
That's awesome. So, so you basically went, uh, you, you started out as an auto mechanic working in a body shop, fixing cars after accidents. And now you're tuning Formula One race cars to go from 211 to 212 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. I like to think of myself as a generalist that I can switch back and forth. And yeah. I think it keeps you, there's a lot of practitioners listening, I imagine. So I think it keeps you really um, your skills just sharp to work with a broad range of people who are presenting with different goals. Yeah. That it's, it's always great to have that broad experience too. I think there, mm-hmm. there's an orthopedic surgeon in my area. And I think the best part about him was he worked for his dad's construction company for a lot of years and had to fix a lot of bad houses. And so when he uh-huh. looks inside a joint that got destroyed, it helps him kind of find out, you know, how to fix a, a fix a bad joint. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I know that you, uh, you understand your, your husband is a, a strength coach and you understand the fact that so much of strength training is psychology, right? They often say we, we play the role of therapist more than trainer. That's um, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think you're exquisitely skilled to help us out here, but, uh, I know we talked a little bit, bef- a little bit before we started hitting record, I would just love to dive down a path about like patient communication, client communication, and how that can affect our success rate with different groups. I mean, every patient is different, but as you look at the way that people handle maybe uh, the first session in the gym, right, with mm. the general population, if you're looking at that from your, the, the PhD level, you know, you, you have all the knowledge in the world about the, the psychology of that event. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips or any uh, suggestions you might have for people of, how to start that process that would go a long way towards having a great relationship long-term. Sure. Yes. And I do, you know, I have my point of view and my lens, which of course is biased a little bit. So this is my opinion that I've developed over the years, but I can kind of fuse together a few different perspectives. One is, you know, being a a healthcare provider and being a, a counselor one thing that comes up in the evidence around mental health counseling is that the most important determinant of the outcome of that therapy is the rapport between the client and the therapist. So, so basically um, every so, method works as long as we just have great rapport. Almost. You got it. So CBT, okay. DBT, IFS, you know, ACT, any of these therapies, it all kind of comes out in the wash when it is a good match between the client and the counselor. Some of that is chemistry, but some of that is how the client or how the therapist or the counselor establishes rapport and really takes care of that relationship. And then in medicine, we know that practitioners, doctors, and other kinds of healthcare professionals that are um, empathetic, that take time on the patient relationship, that they actually have better outcomes and that their patients are more compliant and they actually have higher ratings of their doctors as well. So in medicine, we know it's true. And in therapy, we know it's true. And so my opinion is that this is also true in the strength training relationship and with chiros and PTs as well, that that relationship is really important to take care of. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not just a success. It's also a great business move just to establish that great rapport because whether you're a therapist, a a chiro, or a, a, a strength coach, the longer you can work with that person and the more times per week or per month or whatever your setup is, it, it's an easier business too to have, I'm sure for a therapist, just like a Cairo, it's easier to have a hundred clients that come in often and repeatedly than it is to have, you know, 2000 clients that come in only a couple times a year. Mm. 
you know, and yes. And beyond that, it's to have a patient or have clients who are compliant, mm-hmm. who are on board with the recommendations you're making, who will tell you the truth if they're not doing their exercises or they don't like the program you wrote for them, or they don't agree with your opinion. Mm-hmm. So to have that kind of trust really helps you be able to be effective as well. So if there's listeners who are like, I don't care about all that soft skill stuff, you know, I just want to do a really good job. Well, guess what? You need to do a really good job. You need a good relationship with your client. Yeah. I'm sure that it probably came to light in some of the folks listening to, you know, early in the kind of pandemic shutdowns when a lot of people were kind of, maybe not forced, but let's just say forced to get into telehealth with their Mm -hmm. patients. (laughs) <laughs> that rapport, you know, when you can't make up for it with putting your hands on somebody or delivering a, a great, you know, stretch or a great adjustment in the chiropractic world, and it had to be all over Zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that the pitfalls of not establishing great rapport kind of came out. Yeah, because there's just a different way of interacting. So if your eye contact or the amount of patience you have for the beginning part of the session, which is small talk, you yeah. know, is very short then it's, it's probably harder to establish that connection. All right. Well, uh, you brought up the word small talk and it always makes me think this. It's always great to have these um, ideas, but the one thing they never talk about in school is that clock is ticking. And, and for no matter what job you have, whether you're doing, uh, you know, 50 minute counseling sessions or a 50 minute personal training session, the clock is right. ticking. Right. And although it'd be great to develop a rapport and whatnot, the person still expects a great workout or a great therapy session and not mm-hmm. just small talk. So do you have any recommendations or tips on how to balance those two things? Like where does it, you know, how do you know that you're establishing great rapport, but still delivering the service they hired you for? Yeah, it's really a dance. And I think this is part of probably everybody who's listening. They practice this and they try to figure this out in their own way, what feels authentic for them. But I think the couple of the main things to keep in mind is that you are in charge of the relationship as the professional, you know, as people helpers, this relationship is one directional. It's about the client. And so it's up to us to set expectations and boundaries around time and timing and how that time is being used. So we're all going to have clients who are like super duper talkative and kind of want to engage you and chat for 20 minutes. And then we all have clients who like don't want to talk at all or like tell me the first thing to do. And so number one, you're always sort of acclimating to that. So you're not chatting for 20 minutes, but maybe you're letting that person go three, four, five minutes and then saying, okay, I'd love to talk forever, but let's get down to business so we can get you a great workout, you know, and creating that boundary, that structure around them to really help them get the most out of the session. And then people who are, you know, wicked introverted and maybe having a really hard time socially, you're probably getting to the workout and the movements to give them something to think about and focus on. And then maybe asking them a question here or there, you know, just to try to get them to relax a little bit or connect with you better. So I actually think healthcare professionals and chiros and PTs and strength coaches are very psychologically minded because they figure out pretty early on that they have to keep like switching their style or how talkative they are or how much eye contact they make or what their energy level is to sort of like match the person that they're working with. So my number one tip is to like be, you're doing that already. So you can bring some awareness or some more attention to how you're doing that. And if you want to help a client to talk less or open up more, there are things that you can do verbally and non-verbally. And even with the exercises or the programming that you're doing to help shape that environment and help their relationship to have a good quality. That's interesting. I I remember uh, I was listening to Greg Cook 
who um, I'm, I'm sure you've stumbled across at some point. Okay. And he was saying that in the FMS, uh, they learned early on that the first test you should do, and this is just tactically, the first test to do, he said, if you were really following our progression would be have the person lay down and do a straight leg raise. And he said, but the psychology of five minutes after you meet, you're having that person lay down and you're lording over them is right. horrible. So he says, we right. start with the squat because you're going to put your arms above your head and you feel like a champion. And I ask you to squat down. You don't feel threatened. You don't feel vulnerable. And we're basically eye to eye. And yep. he said, you'd be shocked at how much just that one change of the order of things affects it. So going, yeah, going to the order of things, my assumption is that if I do want to spend, let's say out of 50 minutes, I want to spend 10 minutes of talking and chit chat and, and the soft skill stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just it, let's pretend it's a clean world and it's exactly 10 minutes. Would it be better to do that 10 minutes all at the beginning is there any research that says, hey, do five minutes at the beginning and five minutes in the middle or three, three, and three, you know, and, or leave time at the end? Is it better for a relationship to maybe spend a couple minutes at the end instead of just saying, hey, Lisa, great workout, high five, I got to go to my next? You know, is it better to sit mm-hmm. down and just recap? That's a good question. My response to that question is to take a client centered approach because the client has a style and if you can figure out that style early on, then you can probably tailor your interaction. So for example, I have a client I can think of who we get on and he says, Hey, how you doing? And I say, I'm great. And then, you know, what are we going to talk about today? Or how are you doing? And, and whenever I do that, every single time he'll say, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? So he wants like a solid two minutes of me being a human being and to hear about like what I did over the weekend or, or how I actually mm. am before we can begin the session. I have plenty of clients who could care less about how I am and they just are ready to start talking. I have another client who I say hello and he hits the ground running and 15 minutes before the session's over, he's like, so what's going on with you? And he like picks up his coffee cup and sits back like he's done, you know? Right. And it's like a balloon so, that just let all the helium out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he, it's like, he actually comes to like, Oh, there's this other person I've known for a while. Like, <laughs> I wonder how she's doing, you know? Yeah. So I've learned over time that for the first person, I need to make a space in the beginning and be ready for him to be curious. Um, and so the way that I approach, I enter those interactions is not with a plan for exactly what's going to happen. And I'm not going to shut down what comes at me. I'm just open for how can I respond to this person flexibly, but also keep the structure in mind. So there is no data that I'm familiar with, whether like the beginning of the session or the end of the session or the middle of the session is important. I do have some clients who are very, very interactive. And so I work to redirect them often because I know 10 minutes from now, they're going to ask me another question. And 10 minutes from now, they're going to go down another tangent. So when you have those clients, you're kind of always thinking about reining them in or redirecting them back to what you're doing in the here and now. But I think that if you can take that client-centered approach, one metaphor I heard one time was um, the martial art of Aikido. So in Aikido, you don't go in ready to attack and you're not defending yourself. You just come in like open and waiting to see what the other person is going to do and how can you respond to that. And so I think that allows us as helping professionals to really meet the client where they're at. Uh, that I, I appreciate that response. 
let me ask you this. How did you establish that or what tips can we use to understand how they want it? Because yet the, here's the pain for me comes yesterday. I have a client that loves when I explain everything. So I had, mm. I had gone through the session. I whiteboarded, I drew it out. Yeah. And I was really proud of myself because every, I don't know, couple minutes I said, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What questions do you have? Mm-hmm. And he asked me a little bit and I really felt like, hey, I've explained this well, what's going on with him? He's yeah. a fairly competitive cyclist, but a very analytical uh, numbers guy. Yeah. And so we got, so we got through it. I explained what was going to happen. Then I actually treated him and mm-hmm. the treatment, we were dry needling. So it took a little bit longer. And at the end of the session, I'm ready to end it. And he basically went into this recap. So let me just make sure I understand blah, 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 yeah. blah, which is perfectly fine. And and I appreciate that he does that because I could tell through his questions, he understood what I had said earlier. Yes. The problem was, yes. It, like I had kind of put all my chips on the table about, I'm going to explain yes. this in the middle and not do a recap. And now I had this like seven minute little spillover. Yeah. And it made me think like, man, where did I miss the cue of, or should I have reserved some time just in case of that? You know, cause it, I don't want to cheat into the next person's appointment. I don't want to push this guy out. He's been a great client. Right. I want him to understand, but at some point, like you're saying, like I needed to lead him, like this thing has to wrap up. Right. Well, my first reaction to that is we're practitioners. We're always practicing, like we're never mm-hmm. experts. So there's always going to be these things that kind of remind us like, oh yeah, maybe I should have been on the lookout for that. The other thing I would say, I encourage transparency. I think it just helps us to share um kind of uh, like be honest with the patient and share responsibility. So in other words, if he was asking that question, I have clients, we call it like the hand on the doorknob bomb drop, you know, like as they're leaving, they tell you something important or they want to spend more time. And what I will say to them is like, that is such a fabulous question. I'm just aware of how much time we have. So here's what I can say to you in these last few minutes. And then why don't we pick up, you know, I'll, I'll just put the frame there to like, make them aware. Oh yeah. It's like 58 minutes, you know, it's two minutes till, um, because 99% of people are totally going to get that and be like, Oh yeah, you know, this, he's probably got something else to do after this. Um, and I think it helps us to just relieve ourselves from that pressure of like, Oh Mm -hmm. my God, the next patient's in the hallway, the the next client's like down the hall, staring at us, like waiting for us to come over to them. Um, so yeah, I would just kind of like reset that limit and do what I could do right there in the moment. And then say, I say things like, why don't you shoot me an email if you, if there's other stuff I didn't get to, or we can definitely start from there next time or something like that. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that game, uh, cards against humanity? Yeah. I think you need to come up with, uh, cards about transparency. You know, <laughs> I just have a bunch of cards I can select. The person says, by the way, uh, I would just want to recap. I just reach over, you know, look at the card and go. Hey, that's a fantastic question. And I just want to be aware of the next person coming in, you know, but I, I see a lot of money here. This is, this could be great for you, you know, because well, yeah, these the, are the things, the things that, sorry to um, no. cut you off, but I feel like what most of us want to know once we're in there practicing is like, okay, what is the sentence that I say? Like in this yeah. instance, you know, because it typically catches up off guard. It's not something that we're like on the lookout for. And then we're not exactly sure, you know, how to phrase something. Right. Yeah, I, thinking back about a couple of pivotal parts of, you know, my journey in the practice too, like mm. I learned early on from somebody said, don't ask what's wrong, just ask, how can I help you? Mm. And, and changing that a little bit, it's funny what people will, when you start so open and allow them to go down the path, 
almost like your your client that I said was a, a, like a balloon deflate. Like sometimes they just need to talk about a bunch of things about their dog and their kid and their house. That's and right. then they'll get to their back pain. That's and right. Some people want you to understand every detail about their back pain. And that's right. And feeling like the magnitude of information they share about the specific event is is interesting. And the the other thing, I don't know if you ever read um How Doctors Think. No, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, fantastic book. It's actually based in Boston because the guy was like a I think he was an ER physician, injured his mm-hmm. wrist and went to like the three top orthopedic surgeons for wrists in, in Boston. And he said, like, we have the greatest healthcare in the world here. And he got a different opinion every time. And he's like, this mm. can't be that different, you know? Mm. And he just made a bunch of observations about what it's like being a patient. So fantastic. Yeah. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. But he said, uh, one of the things is ask a question and then basically shut up and don't, don't redirect within the first three minutes. It's actually two minutes and 14 seconds is what you have to break through, right? And you can reassure, you can say that's, you know, that sounds troubling, or I'm sorry you're going mm. through that. Tell me more, mm. but mm. just don't, you know, the classic thing with a person like me is, so Lisa, what's going on? You say, I have back pain. And right away I go, where is it? What's it feel like? Shocking, you know, aching. What, what, and it's like, you never actually said many words and I'm already cutting you off right. or you reacting. Right. Yeah. So that uh, single tactic of just breaking the two minute 15 mark, uh, certainly change what, what I hear from patients, but yes, it is interesting. You're, you're saying I need to have a holster of, uh, or what, what do archers carry? Uh, a quill, a quill of great mm-hmm. phrases. Ooh, I like that quill. Yeah. I, so I think I like what you're bringing up, which is at the beginning, you want it to be open. You want to open it up, open it up, open it up. So you can hear what's the data that's coming at you. Because I think even that information about the dog or the job or whatever, could be relevant. You're learning about how the person sees the world, what they might be identifying as stressors or barriers to their recovery. Um, You're hearing kind of their affect. I mean, there's a lot of data to take in there, but because you're in charge of the relationship and you're in charge of the session, you're thinking about pacing. You're thinking about how do I get the information that I need? So as you're hearing them talk, you're thinking of, okay, what's the next thing? Or maybe I want to do that assessment, or maybe later I want to go back to that thing, you know, so just to have it nice and wide and like let them run for the first couple of minutes, I think is a fabulous way to think about it. And then that you're kind of shaping, just like how a sculptor kind of like, you know, is creating that. We're doing that in the session to try to bring them, particularly with the assessment, to try to like come to some kind of deduction at the end of it. Of it is, okay, here's what sounds like it's the problem. Here's my ideas about how to approach it. Here's our plan moving forward. Um, in a way that I think really helps clients to feel heard, but then that they're actually leaving with a plan in place. I like that. Yeah, man, you're really making me think of how I approach patient uh, interaction now. Mm. So thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what I say is if I have no idea, I'll say something like, so what's, what brings you in to see me today or what's bringing you in to come talk to me? Um, and it's, it is like a little bit directive because you're sort of asking like, what's the problem, but you're not asking it in that way. It's just yeah. more of like a, I like to say, I wonder, um, I wonder why blah, blah, blah. Or I wondered about such and such because it just opens it up. Yeah. That, that, because your first question, I can't remember how you phrased it. What brings you in to see me today mm-hmm. is essentially a, a very kind and polite version of can you be specific about what we're dealing with here? Right. Mm, 
Mm. Well, and it's funny where people start, like you said, I mean, they might start, you know, 10 years ago and start with their pet or something, but it's, but you can see how they conceptualize the problem and how they experience it. And I think that's really important data to get to know them. Yeah. I'm telling you cards, cards about transparency. This thing could be huge. (laughs) These are all great tips. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So we're talking about the specific language when you kind of professionally went from, went towards the performance um, aspect of, of your work and, and yes. really to those high level professionals and high level athletes and all that, where yeah. I'm sure they're just like we're saying the, these phrases, one word can kind of change the approach, right? Mm. Um, what, what did you learn there about the phrasing and whatnot? Cause there are a lot of listeners here that are dealing with high end athletes and yeah. And high, high performance professionals and whatnot who look at their physical health as a huge investment that they're making every day. And they're very intentional about that. That's right. And what, what tips or what, what lessons did you learn there that you can maybe share with us to help us be better with that when we're interacting with that type of client? Mm-hmm. What I notice is that many high, you know, type A high achieving kind of people are really off by the idea of like slowing down or the the kind mm-hmm. of traditional idea of like self-care or, mm-hmm. you know, they come from a mindset of more is more. So like running more miles is better than running less miles or um, studying longer and harder or earning more money or, you know, more is more is something that they have been operating with since they were probably adolescents and has gotten them a lot of mileage in their life. It's helped them to do well in school. It's helped them to do well in athletics. It's helped them to do well in their career. And so they, by the time they're coming to see me or you, because they have some kind of injury, um, they, the, that is getting them into trouble. They either have an overuse um, injury or they're overtrained or they're overworked or they have some kind of addictive behavior going on or they're just completely burnt out. And so there are these negative consequences that have come as a result of this mindset that you just work harder and you push more and more is more. So if I come, if you were to come right at that with like, why don't you take rest days or why don't you eat more calories or why don't you switch up some of your running for some meditation that is not going to get you a lot of buy-in. I mean, there's probably a small percentage of that population that's like ready to hear it because they've beaten themselves silly. But for the most part, those people I've, are I've tried like, that approach and I haven't found that small segment of the population. Where yeah. it works. I've only found the 98% where it doesn't work so That's far. That's right. Most of them, you are not speaking their language. So it doesn't mean that you have to change your belief system and change your recommendations. It means that you have to change how you communicate with these folks because they have operated for decades of their life very successfully with busting their ass and, and really grinding it out. And so- Number one, you have to show the client that you see them, that you see that, that you can recognize how good they are at working hard or at pushing themselves, even though they're at pain or being disciplined, um, because those are really character strengths that they have. And so I think if you go, if they go into an appointment and somebody immediately wants to shut that down, it can feel like that's not who I am as a person. It can feel like the idea of, of being injured or being weak or being lazy or being mentally ill has stigma behind it, right? So they don't want to engender that. 
Um, so I think it's important to recognize and then to also lay out, I will say, you know, it sounds to me like you have done so well by really keeping your head down and working hard. And in the last five or six years, you've actually been training so hard and under fueling that you've kind of created the situation where you're always exhausted. You've had these stretch fractures and you kind of like, don't feel like doing anything else. You haven't had a relationship, you, you know, so I try to show them the data. I reflect how fabulous they are, but then also that there's these other things going on that they don't like and hence why they're here. And so again, that's transparency. It's like, here's what you're putting down. This is what I'm picking up. And if they want, they can edit that or can enhance that. Um, but you're establishing that rapport. Like I see you, I get where you're coming from. And I get that this is something important to you that you don't want taken away, right? So whoever that athlete is, they don't want their thing taken away from them. Um, so I would spend time on that. So, and then I would say, well, what are some things you try to do to make this better or to try to, you know, because deep down in there, they know that what they probably need is rest or meditation or calories or whatever. Sure. Um, but they've been resisting that. That is mm-hmm. part of the problem. So if, if you go to that first, they're going to slap it away just the same way they've slapped it away in their own mm. mind. Um, so I think you need that, spend that time on really hearing them and seeing it from their point of view. And then little by little approaching, like, how have you tried to deal with this problem and what gets in your way and what do you think would be helpful? Let me see if I've got this. Um, now I might have more time in a session than you guys have because you've got to actually get to treatment or if we're talking to strength coaches, they've got to get to programs. But I think even if you shrink that up, there is a, there is a more abbreviated way to communicate that, to pick up what they're putting down and then to help develop a plan that reflects what they have communicated to you. Very interesting uh, because I'm hearing aspects that I've heard from other folks. And one thing that you're saying is, uncover data and then and then show it to them and you're very practiced at how you deliver that mm-hmm. but one one common theme i would think from all my so we work with a lot of golfers and mm. uh, and there a lot of them are older you know in their 60s or country club members they have multiple houses like they've done very well in life and mm-hmm. one thing that they seem to love more than other patients in my practice is somehow objectifying any sort of data point. Just give me a data point, but I want to know it's true. I want to know it's accurate. And then I want to make sure we work towards improving it, right? Mm, mm. And it's interesting, like you're saying, show them the data and and make sure you talk about like, hey, you worked hard to get to this point. Like this isn't free. This mm. isn't easy. Um, and here's what the what the data is. And then talk about like, what would improve that? Because I've had that conversation just by chance with some older golfers. Like, what do you, what would you, what do you work on? And a lot, a few of them have told me like, look, I want to do whatever I can. I will not go to the gym. I'm just telling you like, I, that's just not my thing, but I want to play better golf. And it's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. what's left? If you're not going to stretch, you're not going to get stronger. What's left. And it's like, well, uh, that's last year. That's why I bought, you know, I got fit for clubs because it's outside of going to the gym. It's like, okay, what, what do you got this year? I don't really know. That's why I'm here. And then it's like building a swing around their current body, you know, that may be a little bit better. 
But then oftentimes through that, they, when presented with the data of what else could we possibly work on, you know, it's like, all right, well, I'll commit to the gym. And they're incredibly for like that fast changeover to never being committed to the gym to now being committed. Oftentimes they're more consistent than other populations. And I, I'm just kind of talking this out, but it's, it seems like once I presented them that data, like there aren't any other options. So just get used to the swing you have. And they're like, well, that's not the option I want. I, I want to improve. So what you just outlined in beautiful detail is what motivational interviewing is. Mm. It is the, uh, the application of helping the client find the answer for themselves because they have it. And so the way that you do that is to engage them, to evoke, you know, reasons for and reasons against, and to kind of help them. Okay. So it sounds like we're just going to keep your golf swing where it's at. And, and then their own ambivalence pushes that like, no, that's not good enough. So I got to go to the gym, you know, so they get there on their own and you don't, you just did that beautifully. So I don't know if you've ever read a book about MI, but motivational interview is very popular these days with helping professions. And it's not a hard science. It's not this like course you have to take. It is a style of interaction, which is client centered and helps them figure out their own answer in a very authentic way. Well, this is very meta. You just motivated me to go read the book, motivational interviewing, because on my shelf, Back Which one here. do you have? Just like the just motivational interviewing 101, or is it one of the specialty books? I think it's the one for medical professionals or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So MI for medical professionals is good. I also um there's two other ones for folks who are listening. There's motivational interviewing for personal training and nutrition. Hmm. Clifford is the first author on that one. And then there's one I recently got that is coaching athletes to be their best. So it's MI for athletes. And that one is, if you, if you like the idea of like cards for transparency, that one is like 90% vignettes between like a coach and an athlete. And I really, really like, even though maybe these aren't like athletic coaches reading, I still think there's a lot to gain from just seeing how those ideas in MI like work out when you're, when you're talking to somebody. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great tip. Uh, because it, just your illustration of what that situation was is helped me understand those people better because just thinking back to the times I can remember that occurring, those people are perfect clients too. Perfect being, they like what we do, they're appreciative and they feel like we offer the exact solution they wanted, but really we were just standing there when they selected exactly the solution that they wanted. And they said, wow, this is, you know, exactly what I wanted the whole time. And I'm glad that this person recognized that. So, Mm -hmm. well, you took the time to let them work that out in the relationship, in the communication. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just uh, replicate that more often, that'd be hugely advantageous. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, Lisa, real quick, what I'd love to do is just talk to everybody listening about our software that does help with communication as well, Mm -hmm. which is called Clinic Gym Connect. So for the folks listening, Clinic Gym Connect is a software that will help you run your practice and your gym smoother, easier, faster with better communication. The secret to great marketing, the secret to great uh, uh, care, the secret to everything is great communication and Clinic Gym Connect allows you to do that through the method your patients and your clients already use, which is probably text messaging. So we allow you to text message as the primary means of communication, which is a whole lot easier on your front desk staff. It's a whole lot easier to you. And it's a whole lot easier for your clients because they can respond quickly and uh, update themselves. And also 
you can send them messages. It also includes some automation. So if you want to send out a survey to get some information about how their care was or what their uh, feedback is for you, if you want to collect information, uh, if you're running a nutrition program, all of that is, you can build all of that within the system. It tracks it, it keeps records of it, and it's a super smooth method of communication. So if you're interested, check out clinicgymconnect.com. And then we will hop back to Dr. Lisa. All right. So Lisa, motivational interviewing sounds like a fantastic skill set for folks in, as you call them, helping professions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and this came up as we were talking about those kind of high-end performance folks where you're really sharpening of uh, already sharp sword. Mm-hmm. Any other interaction tips you have for us with those folks? Body language or, you know, I'm sure you've been to a lot of doctor's appointments and I would guess some things strike you about the way it's set up or where people sit, stand. One thing that drives me nuts is when you're in the waiting room and a glass door slides loudly and they yell your name and they shove a clipboard through there and then they shut the door window. And I'm like, man, I'm coming here for care. Like healthcare is in the word here and there is no caring going on here. You know, it's mm. just going to me. Mm. But, uh, but then I was just struck recently. I went to a doctor's office and it was incredibly open and it was so inviting because there were no physical barriers between me and the back of the office. And it almost felt like, Hey, you're part of this. You know, you, mm-hmm. you are a part of this whole system. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I love that approach and just the psychology of it. But when we are dealing with high, high performance professionals and, and athletes, any other tips of setting up the right situation? Uh, yeah. Body language, I, position. Yeah. Like I think that, um, it is important to remember that everybody struggles. Everybody has goals. Everybody has ways they want to improve, even if they are well, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. Um, you spoke about, you know, something that has bothered you in my life. The number one thing that has bothered me in medical settings is when I am talking to a medical professional and I can tell that they're like, why are you here? Or this isn't that big of a problem or that my two minutes is up and they need to move on to the next patient because I'm not acutely ill. So there is a, you know, there is a I think for people who are high functioning and who are well, maybe they don't need to be hospitalized. Maybe they don't need medication. Maybe they don't need a bunch of tests done, but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve your attention and your consideration. Mm. Um, So, you know, if there are people who are listening, who, who are kind of overwhelmed, I think this help happens with healthcare professionals who are a little bit burnt out is that, you know, they're starting their appointments late or they're kind of overwhelmed and then somebody's presenting with a little ache or pain. Um, Your client can pick up on whether or not you care or whether or not you're irritated or whether or not you've eaten your lunch if it's two o'clock in the afternoon. So when you take good care of yourself and you make sure that you're in good shape, you're better able to be present for that client. Um, and so I give an example of, you know, I've had a couple experiences where I, I do train regularly. I do take good care of my nutrition. I am like a pretty mobile active person, but that doesn't mean I, you know, I still have, I still have hip issues that have brought me to the doctor a couple of times or brought me different healthcare professionals. And I can tell when that person is like, what do you want me to do? Or why am I here? Not that they're saying that to me, but I have felt that before, or I have felt like, okay, lady, your five minutes is up. And I don't, I don't really, you don't need surgery. So, you know, 
(laughs) do your stretches and move on with your life. So that's one thing that I'm very sensitive to. And I, over the years of talking to people, I have heard many bad experiences with different kinds of helping professionals who are probably stressed and burnt out. But the way that it comes across to the client is the opposite of like rapport and empathy. You know, there's Mm. like this feeling of dismissiveness or disregard. And I think that will really crush rapport. I think it will be very bad for client retention. And I think it makes us feel bad too, because most of us, you know, we're, we weren't hedge fund managers. <laughs> we, we're all here to like help people and not necessarily the most lucrative businesses that there are. So it's not good for us either to have negative patient interactions. Yeah. Well, uh, since we're kind of transitioning in this idea of, of self-care, um, what, uh, again, I'm always looking for tips and whatnot, but what tips do you have? Because I would agree being present is the, the best thing you can do in any sort of healthcare. I've, my father, unfortunately, had brain cancer, and I can remember the doctor that came in, grabbed a chair, sat, drug it over to next to my dad's bed, exactly. sat down and said, uh, you know, hey, I understand you have a glioblastoma. What questions do you have? And it was just exactly. like, he had all the time in the world, and his visit lasted maybe six minutes, but yeah. the feeling that he was exactly. interested and committed, I still can picture what it looked like in my mind, and that was 25 years ago. Right. And so the service that he provided just with his posture and his pacing and his presence has lasted you for 25 years. Yeah. You know, I I think that is, that cannot be understated. And when patients don't feel good or when they're not exactly sure how to explain something or they want to be a good patient, they are very attuned to how you're looking at them, how you're talking to them, how you're visualizing their problem. Um, and so it, that stuff really matters. And the better you feel, the more able you are to be present and to provide that kind of care. So how you feel and how you're doing really matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, th- I feel like uh, my client interactions for the next uh, two years are going to be a-, a thousand percent better just for having talked to you for 45 minutes so far. Aww. Well, well I mean, nice. just being aware of that, that intentionality and that, that body language right. and the position, you know, I'm thinking back to yesterday with that guy who wanted to recap everything. Mm. And I wonder, I, it took about seven minutes just looking at the clock because again, you know, the clock is such a player. Were. That's but right. I sat down next to him and just said, you know, I have somebody else coming in, but you know, quickly tell me what you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I could have phrased it at the time, but I wonder if being more intentional would have helped him get satisfied at the three minute mark rather than the seven minute mark. Like if I was Mm. distracted, he keeps repeating himself to try and get more, make it feel to him like he's getting more information across. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, what is it? Einstein's theory of relativity is like you touch a hot stove for a second. It feels like an hour. You sit next to a pretty girl for an hour. It feels like a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's relativity, I think is how he said it. So mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Well, Lisa, this has only made me want to talk to you again more. So I'd love to do this again uh, in the future if you have time. Thanks, but Josh. For those listening and, and that, like I did, love the cut of your jib and, and feel like you, you get it, how can they get more information about working with you? And can you tell us what services you might offer a helping professional as well? Yeah, sure. So you can find me at drlewisconsulting.com. And on there, you can see other articles I've written or podcasts I've been on. I also have an online course that is, you can get CEUs if you're 
certified through NASM or the NSCA. It's called Psych Skills for Fit Pros. And it's the volume one of what I'm working on. So volume one focuses on motivational interviewing, the stages of behavioral change and kind of foundations of motivation. I think it's 1.3 CEUs. Um, Specifically for, for people in the fitness strength coach kind of personal trainer realm. Yes. So okay. I'm basically I'm taking those pieces of education and then I'm applying them to working with clients in either fitness or nutrition kinds of settings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram. I put a lot of effort into that. It's at Dr. Lewis Consulting. And that is really meshing mental health with strength and conditioning, exercise, and fitness. Um, okay. And then you the take, services. Uh, you the, take uh, mental health research and then wrap it in Lululemon gear and get it out on the, you, the floor. That's, you know, if you didn't have any audio and you didn't read the text and you were just looking at it, that's, that's a nice way to sum it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And do you offer services for the helping professionals as well? So you have those classes. What about the PT Kairos of the world? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm available for in-services. Um, I'm available for, I call it professional development. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily therapy, but it is talking with coaches or helping professionals about their work um, with their clients. So it's a kind of a separate category than even performance enhancement or performance consultation. Performance consultation would be more of a personal, you know, how can I improve either something athletic or, um, something uh, professional, for example. Um, but I do have this little niche of fitness people. Um, and so that's why I have that different category of service. Fantastic. Well, uh, Lisa, this has been absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate your time today. And for those listening, once again, it's Dr. Lewis Consulting. And Lewis is spelled L-E-W-I-S. Mm-hmm. And the Instagram handle is exactly the same, right? At Dr. Mm-hmm. Lewis Consulting. That's right. Fantastic. All right. Well, on behalf of Dr. Lisa Lewis, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is our new exciting communication software that I think will revolutionize your practice, blow your customers away with amazing customer service and allow you to grow by offering the solutions that your office offers. So if you want to check out more, just go to clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com and check it out there. Thanks.